Hi folks, welcome to episode four of Women Work and Wisdom. My name is Diane Lai and welcome to our Mother's Day special. Hello everyone. Today's special guest is Rhonda Roberts, former professional dancer, trainer, and entrepreneur. We talk about her time as a working professional in the touring company of Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, the movie Chicago with Richard Gere, the movie Hairspray with Zac Efron and John Travolta, and eventually giving it all up for love, marriage, and children. So without further ado, a very special guest to me is Rhonda Roberts. Thank you. So um, I was a professional dancer for probably about 15 years of my adult life. I traveled around uh, North America and even Europe. And um, I had an amazing uh, career working in lots of different theaters, um, in film. And then I suddenly decided that I needed to change. Um, and that was initially brought on by love and, <laughs> and uh, then a child. So I made that change into um, personal training and fitness, which I thought was actually a very organic uh, move because initially I was always physical. So being physical is extremely important to me and artistic movement was important to me. So I knew I didn't want to move into sports. So I felt that the process had always been really interesting to me. So whenever I was dancing in a show, it was always the rehearsal that was more stimulating to me than the actual grind of doing the show. So when I was in Lion King, I actually decided I was gonna get certified as a personal trainer because when I was in Lion King, there were a lot of people that were getting hurt and um, sometimes career ending hurt. And then I thought, well, I didn't want to get hurt for myself, and I was older than a lot of the dancers, so I started training with a personal trainer, and I really enjoyed the process of getting my body to move in certain ways. And um, it was that personal trainer that said to me, you should really consider getting a certification because you really have a great um, idea of how the body moves and you're able to break it down. So I took his advice and I got certified as a group fitness instructor and a personal trainer. And um, I really didn't use it at all until um, I was at Stratford. And then I started training people on breaks and uh, it was just something that I like to do part-time. And, uh, and then now it is now my actual second career. So awesome. now I'm a trainer. So I want to go back to when you were a professional dancer doing The Lion King, because I think most people, um, when they're young, that's something that they aspire to, right? Mm -hmm. Being a part of such an amazing show. So was that all that you imagined it would be? Well, first of all, I never imagined that I would actually become a professional dancer. I grew up in Brantford, Ontario, and... Uh, I went to a, I call it a, a Dolly Dinkle school dance, but I say that with love only because it was in someone's basement, literally in somebody's basement, the studio. And uh, it, was, it was not like the, the big box named studios that we see today. And there was no So You Think You Could Dance or any of those shows that are kind of now big uh, influences on young dancers. Um, but I remember clearly 
watching the film, really dating myself, Phil Donahue. And do you remember Phil Donahue? Of course, <laughs> I loved him. I loved and him. Um, they had the Alvin Ailey dance company come on and do a presentation. And that presentation changed my life because for the first time I saw dancers that looked like me. So most of the time, if I'd ever seen a technical dancer, they would be Caucasian. It would be most ballet companies in the 70s or 80s. They did not have like uh, the Misty Copelands um, and other beautiful dancers. I was never didn't have access to that. No diversity, None. basically. Yeah. So, so to see these beautiful, uh, graceful men and women performing, even talking about it now, I remember how that made me feel. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. But yeah, my parents were not, you know, in the entertainment industry. They didn't know anything about that. So they were just giving me opportunities to dance. So I would dance at like the villages, which was this kind of a, where you'd have different ethnic groups and they'd put on little shows and we would be involved in that. Uh, I had uh, did some dance recitals, uh, danced at nursing homes. Um, we even had a, like a little band when I was growing up with my cousins. And so any opportunities that I had that I could perform, my parents would really help to try to facilitate that. But um, I think when I went to university, uh, I really still felt that love of dance. And even though I didn't have the training that most people would have at my age, I had natural ability. So that's what I had going for me. And when I was in Hamilton going to McMaster, I was studying sociology and I got my BA. And at the same time, I was working at a dance studio to help pay for school. And um, there was a woman there, her name was Fran McKechnie. And she really thought that I had something and she was like, well, look, you're teaching here, so why don't you just train too? So I would take classes. And um, then one day she nominated me to go into this sort of like dancer's excellence uh, performance. And there were three people there that were in the industry in Toronto. And for whatever reason, I, I never won any competition in my life, but for whatever reason, they awarded me this prize and I won money and um, a plaque. I think it's upstairs. Um, and they said, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? They're like, what are you doing with your dancing? And I, at the time, I was in my last year of university, and I said, well, I'm getting my degree, and I'm maybe thinking of applying to teacher's college. And they were like, you need to dance. And I was like, okay, you know, like, what do you do that? And they said, no, you need to take a year out, you need to train, and you need to dance. And I thought, how do I tell that to my parents? I just spent like four years of their income on sending me to university. And, and uh, in my gut, I knew they were right. So I just um, ran into somebody else that year. So I listened, but I didn't really absorb it. Absorb it. And then I met George Randolph. And um, I met him at a dance competition because I had entered myself into this competition just for fun with another student. 
and my student did better than I did in the competition. And I was like, how's that happening? So um, I talked to him and he was like, I see something in you. I think that you should come to my school. And I said, I just spent four years in university. I don't know how that's even possible. And he goes, come to the audition. We have a panel and usually we award a scholarship, a full scholarship for the first year. So just come and audition and we'll take a look at you and we'll decide. So I was like, okay, there's two people that are very influential in the entertainment industry in Canada that have said, I need to put myself out there. So I did. And um, my, my uh, brother at the time was in Toronto, so he met me at the bus station. My friend, my, one of my best friends, dropped me off and she was like, I'm driving you to the bus station, you're getting on that bus and you're going to that audition. And that changed my life. I, went, I ended up going to that school on a full scholarship. And then in the second year, I got another partial scholarship. And when I graduated, I graduated top of my class. And I immediately was flown to New York and I started preparing to do um, Beauty and the Beast, which came to Canada. Um, and that was my first show. That never happens. Like people train for years and years and they don't just walk into uh, a, a musical in an A theater. You know, you usually start with some industrials and then you work up to maybe a little bit of stage west or grand band and then you move on. Maybe, maybe you might get to do Stratford. And if one of those big shows came to town and you auditioned, then maybe you could be a part of it. But I was like green and I was in and it was crazy. I'm, I'm amazed at the serendipity yeah. <laughs> and, and the people along the way yeah. that, you know, for, for whatever reason you encountered and pushed you or nudged you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So I, y'all want to say to other young girls, maybe listening is dream bigger. Because, yeah. <laughs> wow. And dream is actually dream because my mom showed me when I got into my first show, she showed me this thing that I wrote when I was in grade eight about how I wanted to perform and become a star. And, and then something happens along the way. You start to uh, run into other people with the same dream or the same visions for themselves. And you see, oh my gosh, they're so great. I don't, how, if they're doing that, how can I do that? And you start to doubt. Um, but it did, it took that, that one person to say, what are you doing? You need to, you need to dance. And that, that one person, just that one person, I don't even know if they know that. Um, I can say one of the person's name, two of the people that I know for sure, um, Robert de Rosier and Timothy Spain, and another lovely woman, I can't think of her name right now, but I read it recently in a program when I went to the Dance Ontario um, uh, Festival just at Harborfront last weekend. And she uh, teaches out of Ryerson. But those three people changed how I viewed my own capabilities because I believed since I didn't go to this amazing you know, school that that was not even an option for me. And they showed me that there's so much more to that to dance than just being able to do 15 tricks in a row. And now that I'm in a position to influence younger dancers by adjudicating and being present in workshops or um, having discussions with them just casually, that's what I try to get them to see and to remember that there's something unique about every person. And dance, it's so essential to not lose that thing that makes you unique. You don't have to be a robot. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Um, 
And that's so hard in, in an industry that is expecting people to be able to be perfect, right? Uh, again, the story is so amazing only because it was not what you imagined, right? No. And no. I saw it. I dreamt it. But I didn't see the steps to get there. So somebody just threw me into the... The steps Yeah, they you. just they threw me off a cliff and said, swim. And I went, okay. <laughs> I will try to do that. So how do you find success for yourself now? Hmm. And that and that's tough because um, some some people would look at me and say, "Wow, you had a really successful career." Whereas I think that when you are in it and you are trying to achieve uh, things that are greater, you don't measure success in the same way. So I would say that I'm still. I'm still trying to find or define that for myself. I think for my own personal well-being, I, I started to really look back and say, like, not a lot of people get to do the things that I got to do in that period of time. And how I define success now is how I'm, I'm using that to help influence other people and their well-being. So now... I've parlayed all of the stuff that I've learned in dance and theater and even how um, in drama school, being able to express myself, I've taken all of that and I'm now trying to teach that to other people. And it may be even, we all know that personal training is not just about um, getting people to lose 50 pounds. That's not even, that's not even really what it's about. It's about getting them to believe in something that is bigger than what they can see in that moment because they are in that low place. It's about giving them strength and I think, and even physical strength so that they feel more empowered to do bigger and greater things. Um, and showing them that, that there is a process and that it doesn't just happen overnight. Like for me, and I often say this to young dancers, what happened to me is not what's going to happen to you. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. It could, but all of my little balls were lined up in the perfect line, and it happened at the same time, like, boom. But that's usually not how it happens. So success, I think how I would define it now for myself, are those little steps along the way and finding, finding a way to accomplish those little steps. And I'm at the point in my life right now where I don't look and see maybe on the monetary front that because I think that people define success as like, are you that billionaire or millionaire? Um, so initially, when I started my business, which we'll talk about a little bit, is Top Fitness. For me, it was like, how many clients do I have now? Oh, how many people came into the studio that week? Am I able to pay my bills? Can I make a little bit of a profit? That was the success meter. But now that things have pivoted and changed and I'm now working out of my own home and I've changed my focus to more personal training, the success is the happiness or the um, transition or the transformation of my clients and how they perceive their bodies and how they perceive themselves and if they are happy. And I've had clients basically from the time that I opened the studio seven years ago, and they're still my clients. And they come to me because they believe in that transformation. They believe in, I guess, maybe 
what I'm preaching. <laughs> so I think, if, did that answer that question for you yes. a little? Yes. Um, let's talk about phase two now, mm-hmm. right? Being an entrepreneur and starting your own studio. And, you know, obviously that was a new path for you. And if you tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, I kind of approached it the same way. It's kind of crazy. Um, I had my daughter. I I literally did um, a a couple of movie musicals, so really big projects. And um, I had Ocean, and I did some training and working. I worked for the University of Toronto, so I was doing some teaching there. So that was my first sort of transition out of dance. Um, And I loved it, but the university started going in a a different direction with the course. So I just, I was thinking like, how am I going to keep going, you know, monetarily so I can help my family, but then also stay true to who I am. And um, I just remember walking by a storefront and then going, that looks like that would be a cool place to start a small studio for myself. And I talked to my husband and I said, I just want you to hear me out. And I said, you know, I've got this dream of creating a space that I can use to help train people, but then I can also keep dancers coming in and help them to get stronger because that's one of the things that I see that's missing. And and so I went and I called the landlord and then he came, he showed me the space. And then I talked to my husband and I said, I just want you to see this vision. And um, he saw it and he said, I think it could work. There isn't anything in this neighborhood that we live in that is, you know, geared towards uh, strength conditioning. You know, there's a lot of yoga, but there wasn't things that I was doing. So we just set out to do it. And it was the scariest and probably most stressful time of my life trying to balance Um, raising like I think my daughter at the time was barely three Um, we needed that second income so I still work at at the University of Toronto so I was marking exams and meanwhile I was calling my studio and it's still that the art of balance trying to find that that balance that I thought that a lot of working moms and and stay-at-home moms were trying to find for themselves and then that became my mission so I had a desire initially and still have the desire to have the dance programming, but because I was that mom that was trying to strike a balance, I felt that that would resonate with other moms in my neighborhood and I went with that first. And so that's what TAB really became. It became this place that was not only about uh, the workout, the workout was secondary to the, the healing and the the ability for women to come together and network and work on a same goal, which at the time was getting back into shape, but it also became something else. It, it became, I watched women become very empowered um, by the fact that they were getting stronger and that it started to allow them to do other things. Like people then started to join a volleyball team or they then felt strong enough to go out and go hiking or speed biking or, or it, you know, take part in a boxing class. So from just getting that little nugget of hope, it blossomed into something different. Like people would start talking about how they used to 
cook dinner all the time with back pain. And then one day they realized after coming to class consistently, they weren't having that back pain anymore or having headaches. Um, I had a woman who was taking anxiety pills and said, when I came to class and I saw you like three times a week, I didn't need that anymore. So it's amazing to me how the, the power of exercise, but also the power of the collective was um, happening at TAB. So we started doing things like having Mother's Day teas and having Christmas parties and having birthday parties. And, and so it just wasn't about the workout. The workout was fun because I hoped I could make it fun enough that people would ignore <laughs> the pain, not like physical pain, but ignore the work that it would take because I was making them laugh along the way. And, I, um, and that's still how I approach everything is I try to get people to see, um, yeah, this is work, but if I can make it an enjoyable process, the work won't seem as bad. And so TAB lasted at 274 Jane. Um, we just recently closed that particular facility uh, because financially it started to become way out of my grasp. Um, you know, as rents went up in the neighborhood, mine went up, and then literally I was just paying my, my landlord's mortgage. Um, and I couldn't scale up. That was a big problem. Couldn't scale up because my, my space was meant for intimate classes with, and I didn't want to keep raising the costs for my clients. Um, so I had to close. And now what I end up doing is I've brought my personal training clients, they all believe it or not, um, the majority of them stuck with me because it wasn't for them. It wasn't about the space. It was about what I was teaching them. So I appreciated that. And it humbled me to know that that's really what it was all about. So I now rent a space per, uh, every once in a while so that I'm able to still teach classes, group classes. But um, I really do now work out of home. And it's given me the flexibility so that I'm not just stuck working crazy hours so that I can make the rent. It's now I'm working and I can focus more on what I'm doing with the client. And it's not about maximizing the amount of time that I have. It's about making sure that I'm working with the right people and, and getting them what they need. All so, about balance. Yeah, yeah. And so now one of the things I notice for Ocean is uh, my daughter, that she now loves the fact that I am home more, that I'm available in the evenings and that I'm able to, um, she's able to be here and I'm able to work and she doesn't have to necessarily um, have to come to the studio and hang out with me. So we're just going to pause mm. quickly. <laughs> So, folks, we take a quick pause here while Rhonda uh, answers the door because her doorbell starts ringing, and then we continue on to talk about love and marriage and children, okay? My younger self believed more in the process and, and dreamt bigger, and now I find that I have these really big dreams, and I think that I need to pursue them and, and and throw my hat out there where I was so 
ignorant before, right? Like I was just so green. I just was like, I'm going to give that a try and do it. And I think when, as you get older, that sort of becomes, that voice becomes silenced. And so my younger self is teaching my older self to not silence that voice and to maybe find ways around some of those issues that are maybe clogging my process or making it more difficult for me to continue to grow. Um, the one thing that my younger self, <laughs> I think I wish my younger self knew was um, how to listen better, how to take things in more and how to appreciate what was happening in that moment because I don't even think I realized in that moment that that was pretty incredible experiences like going to the White House, um, <laughs> you know, um, meeting, uh, you know, ce celebrities or, you know, pe having those experiences that um, not everybody gets to do. Not everyone gets to work in a major motion picture, not, you know, and, and I was just doing it and I was working and I was just thinking, oh, this is just work. So I didn't take that in. Now, my older self takes in those experiences more and goes, wow, that's pretty cool. Even you being here and asking me questions, I'm thinking, what's so cool about what I did? I was just working, but, you know, that's pretty, that, that's pretty cool. I need to take, take more time and, and take it in, you know. And, and I think now, um, you know, being almost 50, I... I think what my, my plight would be now is to try to get the younger dancers to really th think beyond this new world of dance that's popped up called competition <laughs> and to really develop yourself more as an artist because that's what's going to get you to the next level. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, did I answer that the way that you wanted? I don't no, know. No, no, that was awesome because it's basically your view of it, right? Which yeah. is pretty much why we're talking. So I realized that you have some handyman coming in now, so we're going to be a bit noisy. Yes. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And I will post the tab website and your contact great. info. So if there are people that are interested, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Diane, for Thanks. chatting with me. Okay. Cheers. So the one question I neglected to ask was, was there a seminal moment that gave you pause, shock, reflection? And we were just talking about it as I'd stopped recording, so I wanted to get it on tape. So Rhonda, I, I want to hear it again. <clears throat> so I, I, uh, I love this question because I do think that in everybody's life there is that sort of um, sliding doors moment where you kind of go, oh, I could go this way or I could go that way. And, um, and that moment happened to me when I was at Stratford. And I was saying to Diane that I was sitting on my heating pad because at this point, you know, dancers, uh, you know, in your 20s, you just, you know, crack your hips a little bit and you can go. But when you're a dancer in your 30s and in your 40s, it takes a little bit more time to lubricate those joints and soften that muscle tissue. And uh, I remember just thinking to myself, like as I was looking around on all these younger dancers, thinking, I don't know, this is not really how I picture myself in the future. Um, but I started talking to a dancer who was already in her 40s, and she's been doing this for quite some time, and I actually looked up to her. And I said, like, what is it, like, what do you regret the most? Because I was trying to sort this out for myself. I was in this relationship, which was fairly new, but I felt like was going to be pretty significant, and it ended up being significant. Um, and she said to me, 
one of the things that she regrets is that she didn't have that that special um, relationship that was solid and could be solid because as an actor or performer, you're on the road quite a bit because the shows don't always happen where you live. And then she also said she regrets not having a child. And I knew one of the things in my life that I wanted more than anything was to be a mom. And uh, even though I get paused, I, I, I take moments and I reflect now when I think about it. <laughs> but I said that was one of the things that I really wanted in my life. And I also knew that I didn't want the relationship that I was having. I didn't want my career desire to interfere with the possibility of having that kind of love in my life. And so I was uh, asked to audition for a, a, a good role in, a, a next, in the upcoming season at Stratford. And um, I was given the role and um, the same time I was planning a wedding. And uh, the uh, guys were basically saying that they were going to uh, give me a weekend off for the wedding and then I would be expected to come back and complete the show. So that would mean that I would be separated from my new husband for like six months and have no honeymoon. And I just saw that that's how life was going to be. And that's not the life that I wanted. So in that moment, I made a decision. And so literally, I'm not even joking, in the circle, in the dance circle, it was uh, because I just literally disappeared. And um, everyone was saying, oh, Rhonda left the business for love. She fell in love. She left the business for love. But it wasn't that I left the business for love, it was that I left the business because I had an idea of what I wanted love in my life to be like. And what I wanted um, in my life was not just the big brass ring, the, the accolades, it was so much more. Awesome. Rhonda's story for sure is about love and motherhood and transition and making a choice about what you want your life to look like and be. The other key takeaways I had was just finally listening to the people that changed her life and who believed in her that she could do it. She had three people that nudged her along her journey, who gave her inspiration and guidance, and of course a scholarship that she won. I'm also going to post a whole bunch of images of her in the amazing movies that she was in, Beauty and the Beast touring show, Chicago with Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Roselle Renee Zellweger, where she's one of the main dancers, Hairspray, that was with John Travolta, Shazak Efron, Queen Latifah, and James Marsden, and she absolutely gave up an amazing career for love and motherhood, so a very great segue for our Mother's Day special. The other key takeaway, I would say, was to dream bigger and to keep dreaming even when you have doubts and disbelief that you can achieve all that you hope when you're young and to not be not to let those doubts drag you down and not to, to keep going and keep trying so please check out our website womenworkandwisdom.com and i will also post links to Rhonda's fitness studio and to her website tab fitness and again thank you for your time and thanks for listening cheers <laughs>